Hey everyone, this is Miss Akimoto with your next chapter of Threads. So yesterday we heard part two of chapter three and we found out how Yuming was able to get the note to America. So how that note got in the purse. It was Yuming sewing the purse and she saw an opportunity where she could write a note asking for help and slide it into the purse. So we now know where the note came from. We also know that Yuming's situation is pretty bad. She's working in a sweatshop in China. She's been kidnapped. They're not feeding her. She has to work all day. There's no、um, windows in this basement where she works from. So let's see what happens next. This is Chapter Four, July first, Evanston, Illinois. Clara. I walked slowly through the purses and pantyhose, the shoes and the men's dress shirts, to the door of Bellman's, labeled West Parking Lot. Every few steps, I look up to make sure I'm not about to crash into a wall or something. But mostly, I stare down at the note in my hand and the photograph. That photograph is of Malahua Park. We've been there. It's the giant, famous park in Shanghai, where a man whose name we never learned found Lola crying in a cardboard box when she was just a few days old. So remember, Lola is Clara's sister who was adopted from China. So we now know that Lola was found in Molahula Park, where、um, where someone just a random stranger found her in a box when she was a baby. I tear my eyes away from the water flowing over the stone tiers and examine the family standing to the side of the fountain. It looks like a grandmother, a grandfather, and two kids—a boy and his younger sister. The girl's long hair is blowing in the wind. The family looks happy, like we used to be. I wonder which one wrote the note—the brother or the sister. Neither of them looks thirteen to me. And trapped in a factory? How could a thirteen-year-old be trapped in a factory anyway? It sounds like something that used to happen in China in the olden days. I look back at the fountain, the one that Lola and I threw coins in when we were in Shanghai two years ago. They could be in there. Our coins could have actually been in that fountain when this picture was taken. I push through the doorway into the blazing heat. Cross the street, not looking for Dolly anymore, not even caring, and sit down on the bench outside of Brother's Bakery to wait for Dad. A hot wind blows, and I hold tightly to my note and photograph. The backs of my legs on fire against the metal bench. The heat and the familiarity of that park make everything around me blur and boil. In the hospital, it was always freezing. Everything was freezing. The chairs, the doorknobs, the bed rails, the trays of gross hospital food. Mom, who was always worried about me and Lola being too cold, even before Lola got sick, would lay her blanket upon blanket over Lola's skinny, weak body in the hospital bed until her pale cheeks turned pink. Help me, Clara! She'd whisper when Mom wasn't listening, trying to smile. And with goosebump-covered arms, I'd pull some of the layers away. A lady pushes a stroller through the shimmery heat in front of me. The revolving door into Brother's Bakery swirls behind me. I read the note again. It almost feels like I'm not really here, like the day nine months ago when Mom and Dad sat me down at the kitchen table and told me that Lola had relapsed. Lola left us notes to find after she died. Even though they were addressed to me, she really left them for Mom and Dad because I was the one who had to hide them around the house for her. In the hospital, she wrote hundreds of messages on pale pink paper, 
Things like, I love you guys. Grandpa Mo- Morris and I are playing chess together on a cloud. I'm totally destroying him. Love always, Lola. She'd pass them to me when mom and dad were out in the hall, talking to doctors in quiet, frantic whispers, and I'd tuck them into my backpack and bring them home. After she died, when mom and dad went to the funeral home to make arrangements, I hid her notes everywhere. I pulled books down off shelves and tucked the pink papers in between the pages. I put them under mom and dad's pillows. I scattered them through their underwear and sock drawers. I stashed them with the silverware, under couch cushions, in the piano bench, under the grill lid, and in the gardening shed. I did it because Lola told me to, and because I wanted to keep her alive for mom and dad. A car horn honks, and I snap my head up. Dad is waving to me through the closed window, the air around his car glistening in the heat. I stand up. I don't know what to do with this letter and photograph, but Dad will. He's scrolling through something on his phone, probably a text from Mom asking him how I'm doing, if I seem like myself. I open the car door and look one more time at Yuming's photograph before getting in. Finding a picture of this park in a person Bellman's seems way too coincidental not to mean something. It's almost like, this time, the message is for me. And that's the end of the chapter. So they bring up this really interesting parallel in Clara's life that when her sister knew she was going to pass away that she started writing notes for her family to find. And Clara hid them all. And even though the notes were addressed to her, they weren't really for her. They were for her mom and dad. And that's why she was the one hiding them. And that it's just such a weird coincidence that she's been to this fountain in China halfway around the world and she's saying it feels like this has to be this can't just be a random coincidence like something in the world fate has to have made this her note for her to find and her to do something about so come back tomorrow to find out what happens next